All right, before we get started, wanted to give a shout out real quick to a few companies, few people that are helping Moab, you know, be possible. So Apollo Energy Gum, want to give you guys a shout out. They definitely hooked me up with some major amounts of gum for the latter parts of Moab. Nathan Sports, big thank you to them. They, uh, they're sending a, a new pack my way. I'll definitely be testing it out before Moab. Hammer sent me a kind of care package and some some bars and gels and everything. So big thank you to them. Huge thank you to Destination Trail, Candace Burt. You know, they put on some amazing races and really excited about Moab. And then, you know, Patreon supporters, you know, you guys help make this all happen. And lastly, just a big thank you to my crew. So Dave is the crew chief. We'll probably talk to all four of these guys at some point. They're all ultra runners. Dave, Ethan, Dan, and Nathan. I'm very confident um, with the crewing and the pacing capabilities of these four guys. And it's just taking a huge burden off my shoulders. So the trail and ultra running community is just phenomenal and just truly appreciate them. And so I announced my book pre-order this week, and I wanted to, you know, share some background on it because I'm sure you, you might be surprised. I mean, I, I thought I'd shared this a few times prior, but now on trainingforultra.com, you can officially pre-order either the digital copy, a hard copy, or a audio version or some combination and I'm putting a deadline on this for early next year. So it is a pre-order. You won't get your, your book immediately. But um, it gives me a good sense of, of what I have in terms of resources for editing and whatnot. And so some background, though, on this, on this book. When I started getting messages about truly changing people's lives, you know, I was realizing, because at first starting this podcast, you know, the critics were taking a toll on me, like, you know, each one-star rating, like, you know, had me down about life, and I quickly, quickly realized, like, you know, this podcast, you know, some of the social media updates are actually impacting people's lives, and that the critics in my head now are, are pretty much meaningless, so if you see what I'm doing as, you know, completely self-centered, I mean, that's not my objective at all, and I'm coming to the conclusion I'd rather share my story, you know, and fundamentally change a few people's lives than to just bow down and, you know, not want criticism and, and hold back on maybe helping a few people. So, I mean, that's the ultimate goal. Um, it's been the goal of the podcast. It's been the goal of just about everything I do. I'm not clearly not in it for the money or or anything else it's it's all about just fundamentally you know inspiring people to get out and go after their dream race or, or make that healthy lifestyle change and you know maybe just contemplate maybe a healthier food option that one time you know so the, I've I mean personally I've overcome some things and it is part of my story and undoubtedly other people have overcome much much more than me so and I mean, maybe some people have had it easier than me. And this isn't a competition about who can overcome the most. And it's really about helping each other find real happiness, regardless of your background. And 
none of us can really change our past choices, but I think together we can we can help each other get pointed in the right direction going forward, and that's what this is all about. So point of the book is inspire people to get outside and run. It seems pretty simple, but um, yeah, I'm sharing what's helped me find peace of mind and happiness. Yeah, I'm sharing what's made me healthier, what's made me a better husband, what's made me a better father. So I'm sharing training for ultra, you know, just with what has changed me for the better. And I want to just put the story out there to show like, you know, change is possible. And if you're coming from a background, you know, similar to mine that you're very capable of doing it and you have to believe in yourself. And, you know, there, there were definitely points where I think I was pretty much the only one that believed I could even run an ultra. And I think there was a point when I didn't even believe in myself. And so I gave a lot more detail. I haven't shared a lot of the stuff that is in the book and you know, I truly appreciate your guys' support and check it out, trainingforultra.com. You can pre-order a copy. It's called Training for Ultra, Ultra Running Stories from the Middle of the Pack, and I hope to have it out as soon as possible. So it'll probably be end of February next year, but if it's ready sooner, I will have it out as soon as possible and just truly appreciate you guys. Thanks. Let's get to the episode now. Welcome to Training for Ultra the podcast welcome to episode 61 of the training for ultra podcast my name is rob i also go by training for ultra we have a fun episode today we get to hear from the Training for Ultra Challenge, number one winner, uh, Lori. So Michelle Barton and I talked to her about how she went about winning the first challenge. And I'm, I finally decided, okay, we have a few thousand people on the Training for Ultra Run Club on Strava. It's time to throw down another challenge. I want to inspire you guys, motivate you to get out there and train, give you maybe that extra reason to you know, skip whatever activity and get active. So this week, starting starting next week, Monday, October 8th, and it runs through Sunday, end of the day, uh, I'm going to have just an activity challenge. So whatever activity you can manage to get into Strava, whether it is, you know, speed work and sprints and running and hiking and walking, biking, swimming, just get active and we're having a time challenge so I'm gonna I'm throwing it down and I want to see some competition so I'm gonna give uh, the chance for one person to win and that's just gonna be the overall time winner and I also am going to open up a random winner so there'll be two winners of this we'll announce in a few weeks and I'll have a five-minute segment from both winner on the podcast to give you know maybe that extra incentive but seven hours of activity for next week is the minimum threshold to then be entered in the random lottery to 
to come and share your experience with us and, you know, share some some of your running background on the podcast. So throwing it out there, Strava Run Club is going to be the only place for this next challenge and comment on the, uh, the update. I'll put an official update up out there on the Strava Run Club. And once you've completed it, uh, mention how many hours you've done and make sure it's just verifiable and we'll um we'll yeah it'll be fun and i'm not including myself and i'm trying maybe not to have my crew involved in that either for moab because it coincides with moab 240 and i did this half jokingly in terms of timing and now it actually is like the one week that works so um yeah so uh, this episode, we talked to Maya Cernick. He's a friend of the show now. He's a friend of Michelle Barton. And I call this episode Crushing Your Ankle and Crushing UTMB. I mean, Maya's return, and we got a taste of it when um, Casey Lichtai was on the show also back a few episodes. And then we kind of rehashed some of it. But it's, it's a crazy story to come back from that serious of an injury to then successfully finish one of the hardest 100 milers in the world. So we get to hear all about that. And, you know, my last big update, I have a new sponsorship for the podcast. So I'm very excited to have Exoskin now becoming a title sponsor through the end of 2018. I will be wearing their toe socks during Moab. I've done pretty extensive testing on them and it's a very smart material that doesn't smell so it's weird you don't have to wash them very often like you can't tell if they're dirty or not because um they don't smell at all they have um they're very high-tech socks and they have both toe socks and regular socks they have calf sleeves which i'll be using they have some base layers so check out exoskin they gave me a very generous coupon code so T at four, the number four, and U twenty. So they'll give you twenty percent off your order. T four U twenty Exoskin. Check them out. I really like the toe socks, and I I've been a Injinji guy for a long time now, and I was very skeptical trying these socks out, and they're nice, thin, breathable socks. So I'm I'm excited to use them at Moab. So thank you for Exoskin, um, you know, becoming a big sponsor. Destination Trail is also a big one. Check out their website for some just truly epic races. Hammer Nutrition, if you haven't tried them out yet, feel free to use my promo code 252888. You'll save 15% off your first order. And, of course, Sufferfest Beer, my crew's requesting FKT for the post-race Moab. So, yeah, FKTs, I think the must-try beer of the year. And, uh, you know, they have great distribution in California, great distribution in Colorado. Check them out if uh, you haven't already. So, big thank you to all the sponsors. Let's uh, get right to it. Thanks, guys. Let's do it. All right, I'm joined here by the winner, the very first winner of the Training for Ultra Challenge on Strava. It's also on Patreon. That's Michelle Barton also joining us. Um, so excited. Lori, Small, Lori Smalley is our first Hello. official winner. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on. And so we, we set off like the first challenge was 
put in a 25 mile week whenever you can just get in 25 miles and then your name gets put in a hat and your name was selected you put in the miles i confirmed it so congrats thank you yeah are you sure you confirmed that on strava because it didn't happen if it wasn't on strava right (laughs) oh it was it was confirmed yeah for sure and for the listeners background there is a training for ultra run club on strava it's a fun one and it's how you get more active in these challenges but Lori, let's hear more about your running i mean i want to hear about the week you ran and then also you know a little background on on yourself all right um well the week that you put the challenge up was just exactly what i needed because i was kind of uh in a little uh slump if you will and so it was a perfect challenge for me to pull out of that so um, nice that's good to hear yeah i thought 25 miles i can do that so um, I'd kind of been mostly averaging 30-mile weeks, but uh, was kind of lacking motivation. So um, that was perfect. It was fun. That's what this is all about. I mean, seriously, getting getting people out the door when maybe you'd be you know, watching that extra episode on Netflix or whatever you'd be doing instead of you know getting out for a jog or a hike. Or I mean, I think we left it wide open. Like, even if you're out there walking, like – there's no, I've, you know, I'm inspired by everything and just getting in some mileage and getting some fresh air. I think it's awesome. So how many miles did you end up doing that week? Yeah. Um, gosh, I'd have to actually go back and look, but I think it was probably around 30. Nice. Um, and then, you know, it just inspired me. I had been wanting to build my mileage from there. So I've been doing that. So it, it just lit the fire. <laughs> Perfect. How many runs did you uh, do to get to 25 in? Um, you know what? I'd have to go back and look at my week, but I think that week it was five or six, uh, maybe awesome. five. Yeah. Great job. Uh, and Lori, you're you're a mom of how many children? Um, so I have. Uh, we've my husband and I have raised four children. We have one at home still. Wow. Um, and so I have three boys and a stepdaughter. That's awesome. I yeah. mean, I can hardly raise two with my wife here. So uh, anytime there's a multiple of, of that, I'm I'm blown away. So and, and how's your training? I mean, when did you get into running? Have you always been running or is this, you know, is this a recent I, endeavor? Um, actually, I started running a long time ago, probably 1986. I was like 17 or 18 years old and um, only really did like 10K distances. And um, the year I turned 40, I was like, I'm going to do some triathlons. So I did four triathlons to celebrate turning 40. Cool. And then somewhere in my 40s, I just fell more in love with um, trail running. But I've always kind of done trail running. I mean, what's your favorite distance? Um. You know, I've done every distance from like up to 50K and the only thing Mm -hmm. longer than that that I've done um, this year, I did Grand Canyon and it just opened a whole world to me to realize like I could go farther than 50K distance. So I'm hoping to um, get a 50 miler under my belt um, to celebrate turning 50. Very cool. Wow, I didn't know there's... 
I didn't know there was so much story behind this. I mean, you put in a good week and, you know, you got your name drawn, but that's inspiring stuff. I mean, I I can't wait to hear how that goes. That's for sure. I think a lot of people are surprised, like, the farther you run, they, they feel like maybe the more torturous it is. But, I mean, my personal experience, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here before Moab, but... There's always such a cool, like, journey and experience. Like, the longer you're out there, the tougher the battle. Like, I just have so many more... problem solving, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's so many more memories that come away from it. And don't get me wrong, that you just doing 10Ks is still awesome. Like, there's so much to that. So I don't underappreciate distances, you know, shorter than a, a marathon. Yeah, and I still enjoy doing some shorter races as well, um, 10K distance, half marathon. Um, and I did the night sweats um, the beginning of September in the Marin Headlands. It was super fun. It was like a 15K. And um, I wanted to kind of face my nighttime fear of running. And so that was a good way to do that. Uh, That's, it was really fun. I, I Michelle... Have you been fearful yeah. of night running? I've been scared, like seriously scared of night running. <laughs> it's taken me um, three my three years to get over it. I'm finally to the point where CCC, I, was, I wasn't scared at all. Um, but there's so many people at CCC. Like, are you scared of wildlife mostly? Yeah, yeah. Being by myself uh-huh. in, like, deep woods, you know, in, yeah. gr- in grizzly mm-hmm. territory, uh, which I have mm-hmm. not ventured out into, but in my head, I'm like scared to death of that. Right. Me too. <laughs> M- Mich- yeah, Michelle's I'm just fearless, apparently. Scared, <laughs> I'm not usually scared of like night running at all, like around here, but yeah, like when I did the death race and me and Jaden were talking about, you know, there were three grizzlies like on the course a few days before the race. Of course, like, yeah, I don't really want to be running alone at night. Especially because I don't have the best vision, especially at night. Yeah. Um, my depth perception is just like everything is not fantastic. Like some people can see magnificently with like their 200 lumen headlamp and that's not me. Like I need the best pencil or whatever and, and still I can't really see that well. So I probably wouldn't even see the grizzly. But <laughs> so typically I'm not like afraid. But yeah, being alone in deep wilderness at night, yeah, I would be uh, having the heebie-jeebies for sure. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and so the training for ultra challenge, I mean, literally was like kind of thought up to inspire exactly how you described it. I'm like really excited that that's how it worked out for you because in my head I was like, well, I mean, this might only get through to like three or four people, but that's three or four people that it gets through to, and. Yeah, I'm, I'm just really glad it's working for you and inspiring you to get out and run. And do you want to announce the second Training for Ultra Challenge? Lori's a, a Patreon <laughs> supporter, so she has kind of the inside scoop on our, our Facebook group. Do you want to share what, what the next challenge is? Do you remember? Um, I think that you were talking about a total active time challenge for your week. So that would include everything, right? Swim, bike, run, hike. Anything you can put on Strava so I can confirm yeah. it. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. That's, that's, <laughs> I love that. That's well said. <laughs> and it coincides, like, I initially, 
like we were all joking and she was laughing before we started recording because uh, I coincided that with um, potentially Moab week. So Moab 240, I'll be out there for like four days straight. Um, or five. I'm, yeah, hopefully not five, maybe three. Um, <laughs> so I'm not including myself, obviously, in this competition, and I wouldn't include any of my crew or pacers, um, but it's opened up, so join the Strava Training for Ultra Run Club, and I will I will send out a update, and it will just say simply comment below if, you've, if you want to enter, and... Just throw in the number of hours you put in next week. So Moab week, um, what is that, October 8th, I think it starts. And uh, yeah, throughout the whole seven days, we're going to add up all of your hours of activity. And you just throw it in the comments section. And Lori, if you win this one again, I'm going to get serious. <laughs> I might get hate mail. So, But I want you to still participate, you know. Okay, that kind of sounds like a challenge, though. It is. That, you just throw down like a 150-hour week of activity. <laughs> um, Rob, so you're saying that you, you the way that people enter is on Facebook or on Strava? It's on Strava. It's on the Run gotcha. Club. Yeah. So okay. it's a Training for Ultra Run Club. You'll see like the podcast logo. And I'll send out a comment and just below that comment like how many hours you put in. And um, I'm not going to have a minimum. It's not going to be random. I'm going to do who can put in the most hours this time. So last time was random. We're going to mix it up. The The third challenge might be random, like a 5K or something to that effect. So, mm -hmm. But next, next week is going to be the next Train for Ultra challenge. And um, I'm going to send out a, a prize to the winner, and I'm going to have them on for... 10 minutes, you know, and, and maybe we'll have another surprise guest, um, you know, and, and hear how it went. Nice. Sound good? Right. I, it sounds good. Yeah, I so appreciate you. You've been um, hugely motivational for me. So thank you. You know, I, I get as motivated just, you know, seeing your updates on Instagram and seeing your posts and interacting with you. So Lori, truly appreciate you being such a big supporter, and you know, congrats on winning the very first challenge. And we paralleled, yeah, <laughs> yeah, congrats. And we paralleled this, so we had a Strava one and a Patreon supporter one for challenge one. And the gentleman that won the Strava group didn't want to um, talk. I think he's a little intimidated um, being on a podcast, so that's perfectly fine. And I'm going to shoot him a, a prize, and Lori, I'll. I'll send you a small gift, and next week, guys, get ready. Training for Ultra Challenge 2. So, Lori, thank you very much. Michelle, thank you, I guess, always. All right. Thank, thank you so you much, Thank you, and Rob. have fun with your training. Congratulations. Thank you. Hey, guys. Welcome to Training for Ultra. Today, we have a special guest, my teammate, Mayo Cernique from Canada, who just ran the UTMB. Hello, How's hello. Going, guys? How's it going? Good. How I'm, are you guys doing? I'm, I'm awesome. I'm doing awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for you, Maya. Like last time we talked to you, you know, you gave us some details on your broken ankle and or more like a smashed ankle. Um Yeah. 
And I was just like shocked that you were going for UTMB this year because normally you break something that bad, it's give it some time, maybe two years out we'll try like one of the hardest 100 milers in the world. But no, it, it didn't seem to be your uh, plan and I'm, I'm just excited to hear the story behind what happened. Yeah, so take us back to like November when you did a race in Namibia and then what happened and just kind of uh, tell us a little bit about the process of recovery and how you got back into running. Well, first, uh, congrats, Rob, on your on your race. Oh, thank and, you very much. Uh, yeah, man, you you run fantastic race. And Appreciate I want to apologize. Yeah. As we planned, we didn't make that happen. We didn't meet up there in Chamonix, but unfortunately, I, I guess. The time schedule for everybody and all the craziness was just kind of a uh, tight, right? I like, swear yeah. I saw you at the after party. I looked up, saw you, was engaged in a conversation, and then you disappeared. Like, no, um, I wasn't there. You weren't there. Okay, okay, good. No, I didn't. No, no, I didn't that... make. I didn't make an ass out of myself. Okay, good. No, 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 that wasn't me. <laughs> okay, unfortunately, yeah. Like my my friend. Uh, my friend who won CCC, Tom, Tom Evans. Yeah, yeah, he he was texting me like, "If we're going for it," but we were sort of leaving another day early morning, so I was busy already packing and stuff. So I didn't I didn't really go uh, for after party. But it seems like in Chamonix, you're mostly kind of bumping into people randomly on the street or whatever. Totally. It's very difficult to just sort of like. Uh, text somebody and like go for a coffee because there is 30 50 100 friends and you can drink 100 coffees a day <laughs> so it's it's kind of difficult to just make that just effort and 50 uh, coffees 50 beers there you yeah, go pretty there much you go. yeah <laughs> so anyways uh yeah i kind of missed that i was looking forward to seeing yeah but i guess next year maybe we're gonna definitely be doing similar races so don't worry yeah we'll have yeah, our okay. chance oh. yeah or a 200s, actually. Uh, we, <laughs> yeah. might, we might have a plenty of time to chat in that one. <laughs> days. Days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, that's true. So, yeah, well, I guess I finished UTMB again. So that was two out of two, which is, uh, which is fantastic, I guess. And, awesome. uh, yeah, last year I was six hours faster-ish. Mm -hmm. maybe. So last year I ran it with the Magda Casey Amanda. I think that was 31 some some change. And uh, I was thinking like like we run slow, fast, whatever. I didn't know. Like I guess everybody was saying we was kind of running slow. But this year I was running definitely slower, and I ran it in 36. And like in retrospective, I think we was running pretty fast last year. Even seeing it slow, I don't know. It's just kind of confusing, but. I went back and I ran the best of my uh, my ankle, which actually is funny because the ankle felt very good. I didn't have really problem or pain, actually, like whatsoever, I would say. But mm -hmm. I blew up my shin on another leg, mm -hmm. which which could be, uh, I, I don't know, it could be because I overcompensate or I didn't train my healthy leg enough in the process and kind of focus on only on the on the broken one like i really don't know sort of what went wrong but uh after halfway from cormier i was still able to climb pretty decently like if you're looking at my strava 
then I believe I PR'd all the climbs compared to last year. But after Cormier, all my downhills was basically just walking. Like, I couldn't really run anything downhill anymore. The shin was just killing me. And, uh, yeah, so I finished six hours slower. But yeah. that doesn't mean anything mm. because last year when I broke my when I broke my ankle and, you know, like, I tried to Google it out, like, how people broke their ankles and, and what's going on there. And then I noticed majority of the people actually, even if you're doing something crazy or not, the, the everybody seems to be breaking the ankles the same way. So mm. there is like a, all the major two bones are fractured and then sometimes they they even open the joint, like the bottom of it kind of pop. And that's what happens to me. So I got it broken on the, all three parts. And then, you know, the, the, there was a questionable if I'm even going to be walking normally. Mm. And, and I couldn't really find any any recovery successful story or anything like that. Like there is very little I could find on the internet, like how fast people returning into running. Like cause majority of the stories, what I find people was pretty happy returning in the normal life and kind of limping, not mm. even talking about running, you know? Yeah. So, so well, most, yeah. Most people aren't runners or ultra runners. So it's, yeah, I can see, I can see that. And, I mean, tell me, so time frame here, when did you break your ankle? And I'm well, just trying to walk through kind of the chronology of how you got okay. back into it and then confidently tow the start line of UTMB, which is like, man, it's an intimidating race for most people. It, it is. And I wasn't really, I wasn't really confident even going to it, but like, you know, I knew <laughs> I, I can do something. So, uh... I guess I'm like I'm very bad with numbers and the dates. I don't remember numbers at all. I remember people faces, so I'm not gonna be talking. I'm just gonna talking roughly. I don't remember yeah. dates exactly, but sometimes in the fall, you know, last year I returned from Namibia, and then three days after returning, broke the ankle. So that was roughly eight and a half months ago from now. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And then, then that was like a nine hour surgery and they installed like first for the first they just put me in the sleep and they sort of fixed the ankle in a straight up position because it was twisted sideways mm -hmm. and then i was transferred to another hospital to another surgeon in the calgary and uh, my friend from uk from london actually very very good guy he helps a lot and he contacted this guy and the operation like the surgery was kind of going in the little supervision from from this guy, I guess, like he's an ultra runner, so I know him. I actually met him in Namibia, and and that he's very, very, like he knows. He knows a lot of about trash bones and that kind of stuff. So he gave me a lot of confidence. Like, you know, sometimes when you're just talking to normal doctor, he would say, "Oh yeah, you're never gonna run again, or you should be happy if you're gonna walk straight." And this guy basically says, like. You know, sky's the limit. Of course, it's going to be difficult and whatever. But if you're going to put in the work, then you should be able to do whatever you want. So I believe in that since day one, basically, because I call him immediately from that very first moment when I was in the hospital. I call like Ben, I damaged my foot badly. What can I do? And well, then I follow up his advice all the way. Right. Can I just so, say, can I just say Michelle and I were like distraught? Like, I think you'd posted 
something on yeah. Instagram. We're- Michelle was, I think she was in tears most of that day, and I was just like, oh my gosh. Like- well, like, I didn't understand, because, like, I know Mayo, I've seen his Instagram, he's doing crazy schemo stuff in the winter and gnarly running on ridges, and I was like, huh, you know, he wasn't out on some crazy expedition doing gnarly, like, I just didn't know how that could have happened. So, do you want to tell how that happened? And well, I yeah, also- uh, it, was, it was really, like, I think I talk about it in the last episode, maybe I did, and I'm not sure, I explained this story many times, so it's kind of overlapped to me, but... Really, I just closed the car doors, grabbed my dogs, walk across the parking lot, and then between the parking lot and the road is that big ditch, what usually is beside the road. And because of the, there was a snow already in the Canmore, which we was planning to uh, take dogs for a hike, the snow pole just to, just to pull the snow and fill up that gap between the road and uh, and the parking lot. So that deep hole up to my like over my knees was just fill up with the snow and there was a tiny little crust of ice on the top was looking like a nice perfect even surface so when i step in it my left foot just sort of slide forward like a chinese split motion and bend inside the that deep snow and then my right foot stayed on the pe- on the on the hard surface of the road on the top and i sit on it with my ass basically so that twist the ankle and just snapped it in the in the half and like was 90 degrees sideways basically oh. pointing like it's really really painful like actually like, accident oh. i know it's just so stupid and oh. you know like of course there was some talk immediately like oh yeah you broke your ankle because mm-hmm. you overdoing the running and it's stress oh yeah and you you tired runner and because of that your bones are weak None of that. I no, believe it's that's true. A joke. <laughs> that was just a freaky thing happened. And I post the x-rays and the 3D scans on my Instagram. They are still there. So when you look at the break, it's just like shutter glass. It's none of that Any, anyone, fracture. Anyone that says that kind of BS, like I wasn't well, a runner and I took my kid out and slipped on ice. I was not a runner at all and broke my ankle on some what I thought was water was ice and I had my kid in, you know, I don't know. It, it was a, a real safe car seat type setup. He's a newborn. Yeah, right. And I snapped my, it was the support bone. So it wasn't like the main bone. And mm-hmm. uh, honestly, the fibula. since starting running, I can basically turn over my ankle. And since building up all the muscles around it, it is so much stronger and more supportive mm-hmm. as a runner now. Yeah. So I, I find it hard to believe that running was the cause of this. I mean, it was well, seems like a freak accident. Yeah, and people were saying because he was running like 250K in Luna Sandals, but that's not the case. Like, Luna Sandals, if anything, makes strength, you stronger. Strength it makes your feet stronger. And tendons and, yeah. I mean... Yeah. The, the pictures are still there on Instagram. I, tr- I decided, like, when, I, when this happened, I decided to sort of, okay, well, screw it. I'm just going to document this process from where, we, where I am now as far as I can get. So I was taking pictures of everything and everything what I was doing is out there. Also, I started, like, a, you know, well started. I got my YouTube channel, so I was posting little videos there. And there is a bunch of people recently 
who are reaching out to me from Instagram, like uh, climbers, mountain climbers, rock climbers who fell and broke their ankles and they are inspired by this process and kind of giving in hope a little bit, you know? Yeah. So I, I try to sort of, well, you know, obviously, like, you know, you guys know Adam Campbell, right? Right. And yeah. that was the guy what I was kind of like, I was, I was, you know, my ankle was shattered and I was thinking, oh, this is nothing compared to Adam. Adam was just trash and he yeah. make it out of there and yeah. he finished the hard rock and yeah. my ankle is nothing to it. But he was in a basically dead life situation. He was just broken to pieces. But, yeah. you know, like he was completely fighting for his life. Yet I wasn't in that kind of a danger. Like my foot was just Mickey Mouse compared to it. But when it comes to running, you know, you get only one foot on the ground all the time. So mm. when when you trash your ankle, like there is not much of a running. Like I couldn't fake anything. It works or it doesn't. You can't really, I can't really pretend, you know, like running 100 miles. Like if I lose it, I lose it. There is nothing I can do. And going in this race, like I didn't know, I didn't know how far I can handle it. Like last year when, when I, you know, I told you before, I ran UTMB last year in 30 hours-ish, and I was thinking I was prepared, and I wasn't. And in the, in the, on the race day, looking backwards, that year I have 2,400 kilometers done before the race in the training. Like, not specifically for UTMB, but, but in that, from January to whatever, September, like, I, I have a 2,500 kilometers in training, and I'm not kidding, this year my running was 240 kilometers build up to UTMB and really like in five months of running, which was just crazy. So anyway, when I broke my ankle and when all this process was going on and surgeries was going on and all that, I was, uh, I have enough points obviously to try uh, put in UTMB again. And I didn't know if I will ever able to run even, but I, I apply again and I was waiting for what's going to happen. And then I set a bunch of goals in this process. And one of them was uh, like my, my friend from the UK, he said, you should be able to ski this season. That's what he said back, <coughs> back in the winter last year, which was sound a little crazy to me because I'm still in the bed. My ankle is trash. I have a hard cast on. And he telling me like, oh, man, don't worry. You're going to be skiing in this winter. And I'm like, oh, great. So one of the goal was uh, basically get back into Schemo. And uh, in March, end of the March, we have ski mountaineering race here, nationals in uh, Lake Louis. So mm -hmm. I set that one as a goal. Like if I'm going to be able to compete in that, like that would be fantastic. I mean, competing, like being there, being part of it without any competition whatsoever in my on my mind just just finishing the race really so so that was the one goal and another one was basically if they're gonna pick me for utmb again i will try to get my body in the shape to finish the race and again i wasn't thinking about like i don't care if i'm gonna run it in 30 hours or 45.58 you know like, I just wanted to basically finish. And, and even finish was like, I just want to go there. And if it's going to be a 50K, and then I have to pull it out and 
then I will do that. And it's still a good trip to UTMB and, uh, you know, just meeting my friends and whatever. So that was kind of two main goals to look up laying down in the bed. And, well, I guess I did both of them. I was racing Schemo and and placed decent. Like, I think I was top 20, like 15 or 14 place, something like that. And then, yeah, I finished the UTMB. So, so now, when you signed up for UTMB, was your ankle broke? Or when did you, like, click register? Like, when did you actually... Because I know it opens up in December, and you broke your ankle in December, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was still in the bed with the hard cast on, I believe. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't able to walk yet, but it just... Yeah. Was, and you when- know, like... The one of the things what I was thinking would be a good goal to work towards too, like have something like when you wake up or you on your mind there is like, oh yeah, like nine months or whatever from now there is this big race and I'm, I'm sort of want to run it. So that's my motivation. Not like walking wouldn't be enough motivation, but I want it to be just sort of more, more a little bit aggressive. Like walking, it's not enough. Like yeah, I gotta get better than that. So UTMB was great, and then I was thinking you know, I have enough points to go there once again. And uh, that race last year was so fantastic. Like, I just I just love everything about it. The, the meeting my friends and seeing so many people and going to Sham, uh, run around Mont Blanc and everything. Like, there is, it, it's definitely a special place to be. So I was thinking if I'm not going to be able to run a lot of races in this year, which I basically didn't, I only ran UTM, uh, well, actually, Iron Legs, uh, 100K. I was running (laughs) two weeks before UTMB as a test run. Why did you do that? How'd that go, by the way, too? (laughs) Well, I guess, like, you know, I I was training so, like, like, I kind of was, like, focused. Like, I was kind of antsy to run, you know? Like, I was really, like, okay, like two months months two weeks and then it's just my body was like oh i just like want to run and uh, a friend of mine uh, jamie who is race director of iron leg it's like I, I was uh i was marking the course i was actually marking the course like a week prior to the race and i still wasn't sure i'm going to run it and then we was to- then we were talking and I'm saying like, hey, you know, I know you sold out, but maybe I would like I was thinking like maybe I could run this race or something. And he's like, oh, yeah, maybe you can like do like a 60K. Like they have a 60K, 50 miles and 100K options. Right. Mm-hmm. So he said, like, I still have some spots like maybe you should run the 60K. And I'm like, yeah, like I really want to run like I'm going to UTMB and I don't want to do anything stupid, but I feel like running like I did a race for a year, like, I was just sort of, like, ready to go, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so he was like, sure, i let you run, no problem. But then I was thinking, like, eh, like I don't want to go in the shorter distances because I might be too competitive. Like, it's kind of shorter, faster in a way. And I just wanted to get, like, that long day on my feet. I was still lo- looking, like, it's going to be good training for UTMB anyway. And if I feel like it, I'm just going to quit and whatever distance feels good enough. Like, I really didn't have to commit to actually finishing the 100K. You know, I just want to be there. So so I showed up, I guess. 
400k and I run and nobody better showed up so I finished third on the podium and I have a good race considering <laughs> that's you awesome know? yeah that's amazing yeah and that was a little confidence builder for sure for UTMB like I knew okay now like I can hold 100k or 110k and I did 6,000 vertical meters which was more than a half a gain of UTMB yeah, that's definitely yeah. when when you're on the podium for a hundred k race. That is a legit race. Um, that has to be a confidence builder. So I have to hear more about UTMB. Um, it's a dream race for a lot of people. It's a build up. Like I felt like after vol- volunteering at Hard Rock, maybe I wasn't ready to take on a UTMB because it's just intense. It's a hard race. Like. Mm-hmm. So you're coming back from this, I don't know, this this major injury. You've rebuilt yourself. Now he's bionic. Seriously, like, tell me, what are your thoughts going into the start line? And tell me how the beginning of the race went, because apparently it went better than a lot of other people's UTMB. Yeah, I you know, Rob, like, I think, you know, when, when I started ultra running, which was seven years ago or whatever, like, I was always, I was always motivated, sort of, just, like, I always loved to l- run long. Like, longer distances was kind of more attractive to me, because totally. I, I always see it like adventure, like, you're going alone in the woods, and that's yes. the way I see it. Like, I never, I never have desire to sort of be fast runner. But unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but I guess I, I kind of did good, I guess, somewhere in the process. And then a lot of people point out the finger and kind of put me in that group of like fast people. But I, I don't like I run a bunch of races in the U.S. and I was never that fast. You know, like I think Sean O'Brien, I finished mm-hmm. eighth place and... That was really like the top ten, really something like I, I won only one race in my life, which was actually mountain marathon, Moose Mountain Marathon. Uh, but I never, I never ran that fast. Like my hundred mile, the fastest it's twenty hours or something like that, you know. So I was always the guy who wanted to go long, and hundred miles just feels good to me. And in like I, I noticed back then when when i really took it as an adventure and i just want to go out there and have a good time because i was looking forward to seeing my friends and chatting with people and just have fun then i really enjoy these long races and uh and sometimes even with uh, not much pressure i finish very good because the running slow and nicely building up through it like it, they they become like a negative split almost and i get a bunch of good finishes in the lost soul 100 miles locally or or even uh sinister seven like almost when i didn't care about placing well i did place well and when i really Mm -hmm. put that pressure on me then i just have terrible terrible races so i knew if i'm going to go in utmb from that adventure and and enjoyment point of view then i'm i should finish fairly happy you know Mm -hmm. because the races are eventually only hard how hard we make them and I noticed in those seven years, I can make pretty damn hard half marathon and I can make easy 50K. 
it's like always the pressure or the speed what I put into it that's dictate how I'm gonna feel during the race so if I say I want to run 100 miles easy then it feels sort of easy and I'm very happy I'm usually enjoying those races and if I say I'm gonna run half marathon hard then it's a hard race and so so the distance itself it just doesn't dictate how how the race is going to be and I guess that's why a lot of elites even this year or, or ever, they have a or fantastic race or the DNF because mm-hmm. it's that pressure what they put in, right? So once you lose it, you lose it. Like you, <clears throat> you got nothing else to give. I guess right. that's why Jim Wamsley's go for like, okay, I'm gonna break record or or he DNF, I guess, or something. Like it's a really Big risk, risk re- reward kind of thing. I think it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Going for broke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like hero or zero, you know. That's exactly. The way it is. So, let's hear the details. How do you go? I I don't want to sound I don't sound lame here, but you go from smashing your ankle to smashing UTMB. Let's hear the de- <laughs> let's let's hear the details. Well, I I did a lot of training on the bike. That was uh, like I, I knew I'm not gonna be able to train properly as a runner. I knew there is no way I'm gonna be able to run 100 miles weeks just like we usually do or whatever. So majority of the training back then was a lot of schema. I was walking a lot of on the skis, uphill skiing down. That was a good build up like for my body to get stronger. Then from there I progress in the bicycle. The guys from 4i they hook me up with the power meter. So I was able to see my power on the bike, which started with like 40 watts. And then I built it up to like, you know, 250 watts average or something. So I have some confidence, like my legs are getting stronger, but still very little, if any, running motion. And then later on, I run like a half marathon, basically just from the bike fitness, half marathon. That was terrible. Like after first five miles, I couldn't run anymore and I was just walking and I was really disappointed. I was ho- hoping for better, but I realized like, okay, this running, it's going to have to sort of wait a little. So then a couple shorter runs, then I run 42K twice or three times on the trail, which was like like marathon distance, but really it lasts me almost seven hours, which is lo- like a lot of like slow. But I, again, I was happy with that because in the bigger picture, I was I was looking for a long time on my feet more than just fast running. So that was that. Then I run that 100K race. And then here we are standing in the UTMB, which I was confident like I should be able to last at least half a race because the iron legs went very well. So, yeah. Right. How, how confident were you that you would finish? Ah, that's a that's a good one. I don't know, Michelle. Like I, well, I, I think like I would say like sixty forty. Mm-hmm. Like well, I was, t- I was thinking like I should finish but... finish sixty percent or well, yeah yeah okay. <laughs> yeah like I, you know like I was kind of confident after Iron Legs my 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 body should, but I just wasn't sure if my mind is willing to like struggled that long because i knew it's not gonna be super fast 
So, Mayo, take us to the starting line that's about to go off. Tell me about, like, how the first 10 miles went or just kind of like the beginning of the race. Like, walk us through that. Well, first, actually, I remember last year the start was more powerful to me. I don't know why. This year I was just kind of, I didn't, I didn't feel that strong. Like, the... The lady last year, she was some different lady there, and she was like, get the crowd going or something. Like, I was mm -hmm. more pumped up. This year was kind of felt more more mellow, and we just started running. So, first 10 miles, it's pretty much sort of downhill on the, on the pretty groomed trail, and that felt good. Like, I was running decent decent pace, I would think. And then, yeah, all the climbs was good till halfway to Cormayer there is a long descent to Cormayer and that that there is like almost like a running downstairs to Cormayer and I noticed there like I'm not able to run downhill as much I could like that nice that mm. nice gradual downhill that was leading to it that was fine but then it was super sharp kind of downhill and I wasn't able to run that one. I was walking mostly, but it was still it was still okay. It was raining in that point, cold and raining, but not as bad than the last year. Like much more, much more runnable. Like it was very runnable weather actually. Like I didn't felt like last year. My hand was frozen on these climbs, and there was snowing up there. And this year, the the weather was really. It's more more like raining, but it was warmer, so that was fine. So did you hit mud at all? Not necessarily deep mud like last year, but also I don't mind because I'm running in Vivo Barefoot Shoes, which are basically like if you put a mountain bike tire on your feet, there is zero cushion whatsoever. It's just hard rubber on your feet. So I'm not against the mud. It's make the trail a little softer. So that's, that works for me. That's not a problem. Shoes are super grippy and the, and the softer ground works very well. So I was happy with that. That was fine. But I, I made it to Cormayer and I changed my shirt and I put on like a different jacket and I eat something, whatever that was, a little bit of soup, I guess. Oh, that was and good. That, that was such good soup. I don't mean to cut you off. <laughs> no, yeah, they, they, they're always good. I always <laughs> tell them just like I don't want uh, noodles, though. I just want the broth, but yeah. very tasty, nice and salty. <laughs> now, going back into running... Barefoot after an ankle break wasn't the easy road. Yeah, I know. Like my my, there was a bunch of people. Like my surgeon, even he said he would recommend me something as a hoka or something cushy, so I have a little bit of like a better rollover over the okay. heel because my ankle wasn't really bending yet, like wasn't opening up that much. But I don't know, like the you know like. People who follow me, following me in the last six years on Instagram, I would say, or, or even in life, like my friends, whatever, they know I'm a barefoot runner. Well, I'm a sort of quote-to-quote barefoot runner. I'm running Luna sandals or I'm running in the Vivo barefoot shoes, and that's kind of who I am. And, uh, you know, like I, I said to my friend, like, I'm going to run my way or might as well i'm not going to be running i guess like maybe i don't know maybe i will see that eventually in a different light and 
maybe if like I don't know like in this process I just felt I don't need to go that road yet because again I'm not that competitive I guess or not that fast like I see I see how Hoka and all these shoes make make people faster and they can they can gain a speed maybe sacrificing a little bit of good form or something I don't know and uh, I didn't need that like you know like I wasn't able to run at all so if I'm gonna be barefoot running slowly and progressing and building up my distance and my speed I'm in this thing in the long run so so if this is all I got and this is all I gonna take like I don't need to take any shortcuts with the different shoes and supportive shoes and none of that stuff yet so yeah it wasn't easy but it's possible to get it done right so now take us back to when you're at Cormier and then uh, just t- take us through the next few sections. Well, up to Cormier, actually, I'm going to say I felt fantastic. And mm-hmm. I remember, like, I, I so remember this because I listen podcasts or maybe Adam Campbell say that in that movie or whatever. But when he was running Hard Rock, I remember somewhere in the halfway through, he said, like, Oh, I felt so good. Like, I almost felt competitive. Like, I was thinking maybe I can do, like, a top five or top ten or something, you know? Mm-hmm. And and halfway through the UTMB, I felt like, like shit, I'm going to run faster than last year. Like, I can totally do it. And I was really, really <laughs> confident. Like, I felt great, you know? Nice. And, yeah, but I knew, like, Adam said that. And I, I tried to be, like, I tried to be, like, oh, don't go that road like you're here to finish you're here to have a good time like don't go crazy now like yeah you feel good so just ride a wave like don't try to do anything stupid so i kind of back off from that you know try to do impossible whatever anyways so from Cormier there is a super long climb you know that one rob because that was your start of the race (laughs) never ending Never ending uh, conga line. <laughs> yeah. So there I noticed like my hardware was out of whack a little bit. Like up mm. to that point I was passing people and I was just I wasn't even breathing heavy. But that climb for Cormier I was finally like <laughs> you know, like something <laughs> wasn't right. I didn't know if the coffee I drink or something stupid I eat. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. just it just like everything sort of changed. And the first climb, yeah, it was a little harder than I remember. It's hard. It's steep. It's I so know. steep, and it just keeps going for, what, seven miles almost? Yeah. Like, oh. And, and then you got that wavy trail. You're running the, like, that Refugio Bonatti, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So that was, that was uh, also, like, I remember last year I ran that stretch with no problem, and this year I kind of couldn't. So in my mind was, you know, like last year here I was doing this and this year now I'm doing this and people shouldn't be passing me, passing me. And, you know, like I was kind of felt a little frustrated. I need to accept the fact it's not going to be the same than last year or I'm not the same runner than last year. And I'm just the runner who I am and I'm going to do the best I can. So there was a little bit of moments of kind of thinking thinking true and i gotta you know go in 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 that state of mind like my fight my run my life 
and just remind myself how how happy and lucky I should be just to be walking there after all like you know seven eight months ago I was in the bed and now I'm walking I'm walking the around the Mont Blanc so that's itself was sort of good enough so I just roll with that and then like every climb still I have a lot of power to pass a lot of people there was climbs I swear I passed like a 200 people on the climb and then on the downhill 300 people passed me mm. basically all of them what I just smashed they got me back plus another hundred people like I wasn't able to go downhill at all so but how was that next big climb where you passed from Italy into Switzerland I mean, you have that aid station right before it, and then you go into climb mode. Was it, like, what time of day did you hit that? Was it foggy? Because I hit the top of that climb, and I swear it was like I could see clouds literally forming in front of my face. Oh, you, you're talking about the, the highest point of the race, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was, yeah, I, I climbed in the, in the fog, and... There was uh, Leo from Calgary, good friend mm-hmm. of mine. We met before. Then I dropped him on the climb. He got me on the downhill. And there was also from the U.S. friend, uh, Tommy. And we climbed that one together, which was fun. And then he leave me in the dust on the downhill. <laughs> and then I never saw him again. <laughs> that, was a fun, that was a fun downhill if you're feeling good. I know. I know. Last year, like, yeah, last year we ran all that stretch with the uh, with the KC and Magda. But this year, I I couldn't. Like, I really, really couldn't. I tried my best, and like I said again, the ankle wasn't an issue at all, actually. Mm. But it was the shin on another. Like, I'm not sure because I never have a shin splint, like ever in my running, you know, stuff. But that's how yeah. I felt. Like there is a. Uh, like I tried to tape it, I tried to put some creams on it, whatever, but the pain was just killing me, like, it was just the worst pain ever, and really, really sort of a, like a sharp pain, like keep digging, every step you make, it hurts, it's not something I could just ignore, you know, but it doesn't seem so much of a distractive pain, so... I, I always tell myself that, you know, when I broke my ankle, that pain was 100 times worse, so I can handle this crap, and just kind of walk through it but yeah i was almost always excited about seeing some hill finally because when i was climbing that that shin wasn't bending that way it was just sort of stiff and i could totally hammer the climbs but as soon downhill hits it and i have that stretch like when you point your big toe downwards you know mm-hmm. then you got the shin and like on the you know around that ankle bone just sort of I don't know, that was just a painful. So, yeah. So you finished with your buddy from Calgary, Leo. And so, like, how emotional was that, or how was that when we crossed the line in 36 hours? Oh, I think, you know, like, I I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Like, eight months, I was kind of focusing on this race, sort of. And I was thinking it's going to be way much more. Like when I finished Tahoe 200 two years ago or something, I cried. Like not like cried, like long, whatever. But, you know, I like nobody saw it, yeah. obviously. I'm talking about it now, whatever. But right. 
I got a little bit of like it hits me, you know, like there was a lot of build up to it. And then you're running 200 miles. And also in that race, I have a little issues back then. So I don't know. It's just like I felt like, I guess, crying a little bit. So I cried or, or was emotional mm-hmm. for me. But UTMB, I don't know. Like I, I remember that Iron Legs, what mm-hmm. I ran two weeks ago here. Mm-hmm. I was way much more emotional finish for me than crossing line of UTMB, which well, was still... You know why? Mm-hmm. It's it's because of that dang reroute that we had to do with... Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> I'm, so- know, I'm sorry, you know, but that was like mentally, it just crushed your soul and <laughs> like you get to but, the finish line and you're just like kind of pissed or something. I don't know. I don't know, but I, I see you, I see you felt a little little similar. But that was the thing what we was talking about last last episode with Casey when we mentioned that reroute, and I told you like nobody was laughing on that one. You remember the extra yeah. kilometers? Yeah. No, no, no. They Just changed the, they changed the course, yeah. and then we have to yeah. like go climb some some stuff and run downhill like a Rudy and super super blocks like rocks and like I really. Like I, I think back then, I was pretty good downhill technical runner, but I can't imagine just running through this crap. Like you, you would can't, kill yourself. You'll kill. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean the the steep section where it's like roots and boulders for a half a mile or whatever yeah. it was. How the heck did you do that on dead legs with essentially a recovering ankle, and you said your shins busted? <laughs> How did you even get down that stuff? Because my quads were hurting. I can't imagine how you even maneuvered. Were you like on your poles for ninety percent of that, or like how did yeah. you, how did you do that? That's seriously amazing. Well, the the actually the the poles was fantastic. Like lucky poles, what I'm using, they they fantastic. There is no doubt about it. But <laughs> I gotta tell you, I guess because I didn't run that much of a downhill my quads was fine like okay. i have no problem like after the race second third day like i was walking no problem like i remember last year i couldn't walk downhill downstairs i was like sliding down on the railings and this year <laughs> my quads was just fine like the shin ultimately stopped me destroying my legs i guess okay i don't know interesting i, I made it i made it out of there no problem but you know the, i i guess yeah sure that was crap but <laughs> the why I why I felt that iron legs may be more touching in a way because mm. I run hundred K in the mountains but I was eight months looking from my window and I couldn't get there, you know? Wow. And and now I finally run hundred K through my own mountains. I I was on the Moose Mountain which two, three years ago, like I always run that mountain like hundred times a year and this season I was on the top twice. Mm. So all that was much more meaningful when you are back in your backyard, maybe, than when you cross the pond and you just finish the race. But I don't want to take anything from UTMB. Absolutely, like, I love it. And like I said, I kind of choose to run it again because this year I didn't really run anything besides Iron Legs and UTMB again. So if I wouldn't go in the UTMB, I got no points, right? I couldn't go back here now. So if I would have a plan which would be logical and say like, okay, next year I'm just going to spend with recovering my ankle. And then a year after I want to run UTMB, I couldn't, I didn't have a point. 
and so, yeah, it. I I don't mean to uh, change directions. Like, why? Sell me on why I should sign up for UTMB next year. I I'm super fortunate to have the points. Um, I just randomly the races lined up so that over the past two years I've accumulated the 15 points. Sell me on it. Why Why should I do UTMB? I did CCC. It was, I mean, Chamonix is amazing, but why specifically should I do that race as opposed to like a TDS or even doing CCC again? Well, it's, I can, like, I don't know, because I, I don't know why, why are the reasons necessarily why you get in the ultras or whatever but like i said to me for me the longer the better the uh-huh. adventure is bigger everything multiplies and you essentially run a half a race right so that's, i guess that's what i feel like yeah yeah, kind of, yeah. So, so you kind of i guess i me personally like i would want to go there and run entire race because I don't want to take away anything from CCC and TDS and whatever, but they are a piece of the, sli- the slices of the pie. Yeah. And, and, and like, eventually you want to you wanna do the, the whole thing. Have I want a, the full have pie. A, I want yeah. the full pie, Mayo. <laughs> yeah. You maybe, maybe, pie, that's, maybe that's why I got back and uh, within a few days was like, okay, I'm going to do uh, Moab 240. Exactly. That's like um, two pies. That's two pies. <laughs> let's let's shift gears, and I want to hear about your Tahoe 200 because there's just not many people in the world that have finished that race, um, and you're one of them, which is you know puts you in a, a special category. I mean, I want to hear more about that experience. I know it was what was it last year? Was it 2017 that you finished that mm, or 16? No, I. I think it was a 16 already. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Because last year I was uh, running locally some stuff and then went to Nanibia. We did UTMB. Yeah, it was 16. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 16. You did UTMB, yeah. Yeah, so it was 16, yeah. yeah what's, I think, what's your advice? <clears throat> uh, what My advice for what? Like a training or for, in the race? For, for Rob. Every, everything. Every, for Rob? Every for piece. From the Moab. Every piece of advice, Maya, you're willing to share over the next 10 or 15 minutes? <laughs> well, I think, obviously, the, the miles and the fitness, you got it in the bag by now. There is nothing you can do about it very much. And I think you're going to have to run from experience what you, what you gain over the past couple of years. And you got to combine everything you know in that 240 miles of running because, like, whatever I was planning to do in the Tahoe, like, none of them, none of them was working for me. <laughs> you know, like, you, you yeah. run, like, I run it in 69 hours, which is essentially three days. And I dare anybody to plan three, like, <laughs> you can come in my table and put out your paperwork and plan yeah. how three days gonna go, but that's not how it's gonna go. <laughs> because you don't know mm-hmm. how you're gonna feel when you don't know which socks you wanna throw out and which you wanna keep. You don't know when it's hot, when it's raining, when it's cold. Like there is, uh, sure, like you can plan a little bit of nutrition, hydration, all these kind of things, but you had no idea how you're gonna feel consistently for three days and three nights. So I guess, you know, my advice is like, sure, you got to know what the hell you're doing, but 
almost like stupidity is a little bit of bless there like like less you planning the 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 better you adapt because if you're planning too much and it doesn't work the way you want it you could be disappointed and that could be like a, a little mental game like you losing it before you even start i don't know it's it's difficult and i'm my race like i really want to go in the moab like i'm not sure if i would go back to back to Tahoe, Tahoe? actually yeah like i love the distance but i i don't know like it's just sort of done and i unfortunately don't feel like i have a good good race i think i could do better but i think i could do better in the distance i don't think i need to do better in that particular course over again you know what i mean i mean you threw uh, down a you threw down a solid time it's very very mm, i mean it's you know it's everything is changing nowadays you know like I run Signature right. 7 uh, four times, and I believe my second or third time would be good enough to be top three, but I wasn't because people was running it faster. When you think about Tahoe, 69 hours would put me in the top three like four years ago or three years ago when the race started. Yeah. Now now people putting down crazy times. Like, Courtney, what she run in like 49. 47? Yeah. Or... 49 or something like come on like that's craziness right like it's obviously like when 200 like when 200 started like i remember people were saying like oh that's just stupid distance that's for older and slow people who are just gonna walk around like nobody running that crap (laughs) and now look at this like she's smashing those 200s they're racing they were racing to the end of tahoe and i was like i was seriously thinking to myself like i hope no one dies because we don't race 200 miles or we've we've never in the history of this sport raced at mile 203 yeah like it's uncharted what like it's totally totally out there um my my big question for you i'm i'm going over just a super general plan and the one big question mark for me is sleep how much do I need to sleep? Because it seems like if I sleep too much, it's totally wasted. If I sleep too little, it's going to get weird. Um, what, what's your advice on, like, I want to hear how you did the sleep during the Tahoe 200 and, like, what you'd recommend if you were to do Moab. Uh, oh, man. I don't know. Like, uh, obviously, the guys who race it, they didn't plan to sleep. They plan to run it. That's the way you got to kind of see the entire race, I guess. And when I was when I was going for Tahoe, I didn't really think about, like, I, my, my plan was everything except to sleep. I just let that be, and I let that, like, sort of, like, I just wanted to be that in the moment, I guess. And if I felt like sleeping, then I would. And if I didn't, then I then I wouldn't sleep. Just sort of that's the way I took it. And my wife was my crew, and she always let me sleep, which was fantastic. I slept three times, I believe, over that course. And I said, I want to sleep one hour or two hours or something like that. And I like in retrospect, if she explained it to me, she let me sleep 20 minutes, and then she wake me up. And she said it'd been two hours or something, you know? Yeah. And and I just woke up and I'm like, sure, okay. She said, you slept two hours, time to go. And I run again. So she was lying to me. 
she just tried to push me a little faster, but mm, yeah, she... I don't know. I don't know. It's a it's a it's a tricky one. Like, well, yeah. I know like Don Freeman was practicing twenty minute naps, and he finished Moab, and everyone has a different strategy for sleeping. And did you sleep at the sleep stations or did you sleep on the trail ever? Because I remember you posted a picture of like a scorpion and you didn't even know if that was like real or not. So you took a picture. Cool. Yeah, I, I slept on the trail like I was just so tired. I slept on the trail by myself, but that was like a 15 minute sort of I just needed to lay down. I find some I don't even know. I just lay down. But mm-hmm. there the. the like there was a bunch of like around the Tahoe was sort of a, actually uh, cold, like the the weather overnight was sort of cold, and I slept at night a couple times, but then waking up was very very difficult because from that nice sleeping bag or or those woolen blankets or whatever candies have there in those sleeping station they just kind of bundle you up and then wake up and go around in your shorts. I was just freezing and shaking for another, you know, five miles. So next day I decided I'm just going to sleep over the day and try to run all night. But, yeah, I just lay down under the tree and slept there without, without blanket, without anything. And was in the middle of the day and wake up, drink, eat and run immediately. So that was almost better than try to sleep overnight, you know. That's that's fascinating. Yeah, I, we're in uncharted water. I mean, for the people that um, have not run ultras that sign up for these, I'm like, honestly, a little concerned. I'm I'm concerned for myself, and you know, I I'm fairly experienced now with like how to handle nutrition and hydration. But man, if you get a novice out there in the middle of the desert who has some major problems, I mean, at least we have GPS spot devices. Yeah. But it, yeah. it could get dangerous pretty quick because um, it's not like you can get to those people that fast. Um, so yeah, sure. going from super hot to cold, how did you handle your feet and how did you handle chafing over, was it 205 miles or whatever yeah. it was? Well, I don't think I had any problem with the chafing, actually. I was using squirrel nut butter. Chris uh, make fantastic product. He was actually also in the UTMB. We met. Finally, he was cheating on the course, and I'm using Squirrel Nut Butter. Uh, it's been what, like four years now, and never have a problem with chafing. It's good stuff and, for sure. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's yeah. a good Best. stuff. And I finished Tahoe in Luna sandals also, so <laughs> my amazing. feet was fine completely. So no blisters. Then, no, not at all. There was wow. section on. Uh, east side of the Tahoe when I was running barefoot literally because the straps was bothering me a little bit they was kind of like uh, I don't know like the, the, the straps on the older models have like a plastic buckle on the top which been in new models they have a different buckles but that particular model was kind of pushing on the bone on top of my foot somehow and that was sort of a painful so I took a sandals off and I was running barefoot about 10, 15 miles just to give it a little break. Wow. And then on another aid station, we put a KT tape on the top of my foot and just that buckle stop digging into my feet. And then I was running uh, again in the sandals fine. So, 
so that was fine. But like first 50k of the race, I have a hard time with something. Like I eat something stupid or I drink some stupid water from the creek because I was puking a lot and just felt super, super overheated. So I ran off the course a little bit. I saw the lake and I was just puking and feeling like have that like hot chills you know what i'm talking about like when oh, you oh, yeah. when you feeling cold but you sweaty like your, heat exhaustion like your course marking power line at lead yeah hot. <laughs> yeah it's like normal for bad water running oh it's yeah. the worst so i saw the lake kind of off trail whatever i was hoping candace and the guys not gonna be freaking out but i just uh run off the trail put everything down from me, jump in the lake, and lay in it like a 15 minutes. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh well, you got gosh. plenty of time, you know? Like, it's a long race. Like, you get plenty so, of time. Well, man, I don't think there's any lakes at Moab, or else I'd bring an inner tube. Uh. <laughs> well, you're going to have to figure it out, some creeks or something, when you're feeling hot. But I'm just telling you, like, Obviously, I'm there to race, but I also there for some sort of adventure and experience and, and whatever. And that's awesome. like if I knew my body's like something is going on here, then race go aside. And this adventure is part of the, the, the ultra running or whatever. Like I need to like I see the lake. I know I need to cool myself down. That's what I'm going to do. Right. So if I lose 15 minutes or 20 minutes here with doing this. I might gain five hours in the bigger picture, or that's gonna make a difference if I'm finished or, or DNF. It's good. some people, right. some people would say like, "You idiot! You wasted 20 minutes there." But who knows? <laughs> maybe four hours later, I would DNF, See, and I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree with you on the sense of adventure. Like, I'd even do it during training too. Like, go explore some new trail that I've never even checked out before but for you it's like that extra 15 minutes you walk away with a lifetime memory of just an yeah. awesome experience and it's like no one cares for a 200 miler that extra 15 minutes i mean even if it was a marathon like if someone's scrutinizing you over 15 minutes who who cares it's it's all about what you take away from the adventure and um I'll finish with one last question, and Michelle, you can you can totally finish here. Uh, yeah. What what advice? I just need like one or two things on a two hundred miler that I would never have known, like that experience has taught you with two hundred mile distances as opposed to a hundred mile distances that I just need to be aware of going into the Moab two forty. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Is, uh, I don't know. Is there a nutrition aspect that changes? Is there a, uh, I mean, pain, like a pain threshold level, like, that changes? Like, what's the major difference between 100 and 200? Well, logically, you know, there is not that many people who who even accept such a distance as a doable, right? Mm-hmm. When I say somebody, like, I'm European, so I'm usually talking to my European friends or something, and everybody obviously asking me, what's the longest run you ever run? And I'm saying, like, it's uh, 
375 or 385 kilometers. That's basically what Tahoe is long. And they're like, what? Like, I don't, like, obviously, like, I don't even drive that long in one, you know, that's everybody says about 100 milers, like, that's a long way to drive, but, you know, you gotta, you gotta leave this behind, and obviously, when you're running the race, you're going there, you're excited and whatever, but over, over that period of time, you're gonna question yourself a million times, like, I feel like shit now, and there is a long way to go, but you just sort of, you, you got to leave the expectation on the side and and you just sort of have to move forward and i know we say that all the time just to move forward but in in, in such a distance moving forward means not just putting one f- foot from another but you you got to eat you got to drink like in the tahoe in one of the a station i think i eat like seven hot dogs <laughs> you, you know like i really sit there and i smash seven hot dogs <laughs> then i drink two beers and i'm like all right it's time to go and i realize i'm drunk oh because i never drink beer i was drunk man i was like my my leggy pulls and waving off your trail and then 45 minutes i was feeling fantastic but like there is a plenty of time to to turn around like you know, like I like I said, Tahoe. I was excited. I was thinking I could do probably top three. I'm not gonna lie. Like mm. I was thinking I could do top three in the Tahoe back then. And then my race went to shit. And then, you know, I made it to 50 or 60k point. And there was a guy. Uh, he he was like a medic, and he used to be military guy. Mm. And I made it to aid station, and I was broken. I was very, very broken. And I said, like, I, guys, like, I don't want to, but I think I'm going to have to DNF because it's last couple hours. I'm just puking steady. I can't eat anything. And Spike, that was his nickname, he said, hey, I've seen worse people than you in my, you know, he's like a soldier guy, like super awesome guy, straight up. And he said, lay down here, and I'm going to fix you. And now I hear that before, you know, when somebody says, like, I'm going to fix you or we will help you or something. But I don't know, man. Like, I felt like my future, it's in hand of this fantastic guy. And I was just laying there. And this dude, like, I, I swear to God, every five minutes he came back, he lifted that, that blanket and he asked me, hey, how are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm still shitty. Okay, here you have this. Try it. And I eat like two spoons. I'm like, like I can't eat that spice. <sighs> okay, give it to me. And five minutes later, he was back with something else. You nice. Know? And and he was doing nice. that for like a four and a half hours. Dang. Until we find out something what I was able to eat and actually hold on. And he was like, okay, this works, man. We will, we will, you know, like I will make you another hot dog and another hot dog. <laughs> and I smash like seven hot dogs. And then, you know, I was back on my feet. And That's, that was just so fantastic. Uh, like, this guy really care. He really dedicated that time and the effort to help me out. And in the meantime, I was there, like, I would say, like, five, six hours. Like, a lot of people was gone. I would say, like, 70%, 80% people run by in that point. And uh, so I have some catching up to do, you know. But I still finished sixth overall or something like that. So I pass him back. But we all had these issues. And there was a Don from Trail Running Nation. He was running like, hey, Mario, you got to try these burritos. They are fantastic. And 
there are tiny little things where like a lot of people we share like every time you look in somebody's face and you see like you know exactly what he's going through and that's what's going on there like you you just don't give up you you try and you really you really try you know every you, little step forward you got to do my you smash tahoe you smashed utmb you, <laughs> you smashed your ankle you smashed those seven hot dogs which honestly <laughs> that that might be one of the more impressive parts of the past hour um you should you should fly into jersey for the hot dog eating competition possibly um, well, I usually don't eat that much in one shot, but <laughs> after running so long, I guess you just eat. They just, give you, you eat. I, it's amazing, and I appreciate you sharing all these little stories with us, and I'm just super impressed, and I want I want to see Michelle close us out here. I've really enjoyed um, speaking with you, Maya. I also wanted to ask you, Maya, what you thought about like people running races for like the qualifiers and points and all the lotteries, like people just running races simply because they need, you know, to get into the next races. Do you oh, have yeah. Any thoughts? Yeah, I know. Like that's that's the way it seems to seems to be nowadays. And like it, it's really unfortunate. Like a lot of times I hear people saying like oh, I have to, I have to run this race or that race because I need four points from there and five points from there and I need to qualify for that. And yeah, obviously that's what needs to be done if it needs to be done. But if I, if I may, I would encourage people to travel the world a little bit and, you know, maybe you don't need to run every year the same races just to qualify for something, you know, like just save your money instead and there is plenty of races around the world where you can go and there are no required lot of points if any or you can get points in those races for another races i don't know there is like you, you should you, like we all should do something would make us more happy and where we get that adventure from like i don't know why would you run the same crap over over a million times like I obviously I would love to run the Western States, you know, and I would I would absolutely love to run the Hard Rock. Uh, I would I would love to know how to even apply for Barclay, but you know, like <laughs> I don't know what uh, secrets such a mysteries and secrets. Like it's a race. Like people should be allowed to go and race. And lo I, I see like Europeans they start something small and then they want to improve and the race want to be bigger and more people and bottom line is to to bring this community together and why why secrets and points and limitations and obviously you know the like western states have a only so many people who are allowed to run it because of the reason like they have their reasons park whatever harug as well but yeah i i think there is plenty of plenty of pies on the world what we can eat and you, we don't have to just you know, looking these and and like there is nothing else on the world. So, would you run UTMB again, or what would we see from you? What would you like to run in 2019? Oh, uh, like I don't, I don't think I'm going back to UTMB. To be honest, I, I don't know. Like I, I love the race. I'm gonna love it forever. I'm gonna appreciate it forever. And who knows? Maybe sometimes in the future. I would go back, but 
I think like from like I don't know from my from my perspective not being a lead runner I don't think it it's going to be matter to me if I'm one hour faster or slower or whatever like I'm not going to place top 3 obviously I'm not going to place top 10 more likely so just putting back so much time effort and even the money just go there and for my own ego says like oh yeah I run it one hour faster than 2 years ago I don't think it needs to be done. Like I said, there is a plenty of pies. Would be would be a good time to just sort of move on and focus on some, something else. Like there is a lava radio trail in the Europe, which which sounds fantastic. I used to climb around Trechimas. I know that area. It's a beautiful place to run. Then Tour de Giants seems to be another 200 miler plus in Europe. What I would put my effort and money into if I have to. And I absolutely love these uh, stage races, but mm-hmm. like self-supported stage races, what I did in Namibia on Peru, like I would love to continue with those. I don't know. Like next year, uh, obviously our sponsor, Lecky, they have a yeah, good yeah. relationship with the Candace. And, uh, yeah, they do. Tra- yeah. Come on, Patrick. Reach out, man. So <laughs> No, Patrick already reached out. He's the coolest, dude. Yeah, follow Patrick, up. Al- Patrick okay. already was saying, like, hey, Mayo, next year, triple 200. I'm like, yeah. ah. Like, he's oh. going all the way with it, you know? He was at all the races. He's all into it now. I know. That's fantastic. We got like, to get Rob some polls, though. <laughs> yeah, Patrick Can't, should hook you up, man. Hook it up, bro. I, I, yeah, him and Candice. I'm yeah. really excited to be working with her. She's yeah. developed such an amazing way that I can go test my limits mentally, physically, emotionally, and not kill myself like out on my own. It just—it's yeah. a really, really amazing setup. I'm like super excited to just get out there and see what I can do. I mean, that's what this has been about from day one for me. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Rob, like, th- that's the way I see it, Lucy, like, I don't live in the States, obviously, so for for us, out, like, out of the country, whatever, like, if I would run and run something like a JMT, that there is, it takes a lot of logistics and a lot mm-hmm. of figuring out stuff and whatever, and these 200 miles plus, you basically going in the U.S. and you experience the beautiful country with the aid station, with a little bit of support, with a little bit of, you know, like, yeah. yeah, sure. I, I would absolutely love it go there by myself and run it self-supported or backpack it. That would be another level, obviously. But, you know, also that that community comes together. You see your friends, you run the race. But it's a, it's a race in yourself. Like UTMB was my race. I want to I want to improve like I want to prove myself and obviously a little bit of another's as well. Like I can still I can still run or fast walk or whatever. And I can still, you know, I'm not, I'm not in the, in the trash can yet. So that's why those 200s are fantastic where you go there and you got race in yourself, in your heart, and you just do whatever you have to do, whatever long it takes, you, you get it done. But for sure, I'm, I'm sure you're going to love it. And next year, I think I'm going to try to do a Moab maybe maybe something like a bigfoot nice. and i i don't think i'm gonna touch that no, tr- no triple 
No, I don't think so. Mayo. I don't think so. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Michelle, thank you as always for taking so much of your personal time to help the podcast. You My do- pleasure anytime. We have fun here, don't we? We have so much fun, and you've basically become a co-host, so I, I really, really appreciate it. And Mayo, I always appreciate your insights and experience and and hot dog smashing. So, <laughs> Well, they do fantastic hot dogs in, the, in those 200 miles. Remember that. If everything goes sideways, just reach out to hot dogs. And if you got any issues, you got to say, Candace, you need Spike. And that guy keeps you together. <laughs> yeah, that guy picks you up. Well, I appreciate it, guys. I had fun as always, and uh, we'll stay in touch and, and obviously have you on again. So thank you, guys. Yeah, congratulations on UTMB. Thank you. Huge congrats, man. Have a good night. Thank you, guys. You, you too, too, Rob. Bye. And that's episode 61. I hope you enjoyed it. Next week, we'll have a big pre-race episode so get ready for moab 240 and then we'll have a race recap following that thank you guys for listening big thank you to the newest show sponsor exoskin again generous coupon code if you haven't tried out those socks toe socks or not they have both and it's a nice thin high-tech sock use uh, my promo code t the number four u in 20 you'll get 20 percent off Thank you, as always, to Hammer Nutrition, Sufferfest Beer, Destination Trail, and just for this episode, Nathan Sports, definitely hooking hooking me up, and uh, Apollo Energy Gum. So, big thank you to you guys. Take care, enjoy your training, and truly appreciate you guys checking out the book. Hopefully I wasn't too long-winded at the beginning of the episode, trying to just give some background there. So, appreciate you guys. Thank you. Have a good week. See ya.